friends, welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my sad little child trapped in a gigantic rotting murder machine and co-host. I was really hoping you were going to just call me Kelly Rowland, Alex Dandino. <laughs> the Kelly Rowland to my Beyonce is definitely where I, uh, that's how I pitched the show. Like, yeah. I always say me and my Kelly Rowland talking about movies. That's how I pitch our pod. Beyonce uh, and the two fives. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I got to say the scariest moment in Freddy versus Jason is when Linderman just goes ape shit on Kelly Rowland. You're like, dude, she's just coming off a really traumatic beatdown from destiny's child. Like take it back it up. Linderman. <laughs> Lay off of her. She's overcompensating. All right, guys. As you know, you've been on a long sojourn with us. Uh, Every Nightmare on Elm Street, every Friday the 13th, thanks to uh, theater scheduling nonsense, my two least favorite words in the English language now, limited release. You know who I'm talking about, Parasite in the Lighthouse, you sons of bitches. Uh, Those (laughs) will be coming to you not during uh, October, but next month. We're we're on it. We're on all of it. I just saw the lighthouse, and it... uh, Melted my brain. I can't wait to talk about that. Um, but this is the promised destination to this uh, this long and bloody sojourn, right? We told you guys, Halloween, we are building up to Freddy versus Jason. The, the perfect culmination of two of the largest, if not the two largest, horror movie franchises of all time. Super excited. Uh, Alex, what do you think, man? Initial thoughts. This was a big one for me. This hit when I was in high school. Yeah. When did this come out? 2000? 2003. Okay, so college, actually, for me. But this was, like, right in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Uh, what did you think? What do you think now, all these years later? I mean, Freddy versus Jason is in that area. There's a pocket of horror movies that came out between, like, 2002 and 2007 that are just, like, throwing shit at the wall movies, which is, like, awesome. <laughs> like, some of them are, like, some of them are total shit, but some of them are, like, pretty rad in retrospect. <laughs> Freddy versus Jason is this awesome culmination though of just like because they tr- they've been trying to do this for years like they've been oh, trying yeah. to get this taken care of after uh, Jason takes Manhattan they were like trying to figure the- out this whole thing um, they they almost did it in 1987 like they were like desperately they, trying they've to get had this, this a lot right because at one point we talked about it on the um, the New Blood Pod right that was like they're like well we could do Carrie Jason versus Carrie yeah. And they're like, we'll do it anyways. We just won't pay for the name Carrie. <laughs> and uh, they had at one point at the end of Jason Goes to Hell when Freddy pulls the mask down, the additional scene was supposed to be those two squaring off. And then uh, Pinhead was going to arrive. I was just going to say, I mean, like one of the coolest things. At one things. point, the other thing in Jason Lives, they actually have the Necrocomicon from right. Evil Dead. So there was going to be an Ash versus Freddy versus Jay. They've been trying for a long like, time. I think it's it, there's no way it's not a comic book at this point. Um, but yeah, oh, for this sure. is like this was like a fabled versus movie. Um, well, for it's quite just, some it's, time. It's the the beautiful part of this is you're just the fact that this is how it happened. I think is a stunning yeah. array of well, you know th- some of the greatest like what ifs in cinema history. Right? What if we yeah. had gotten any of those other versions? But the thing, I think I'm thankful that we got this version. Absolutely. I'm not trying to be facetious or over. I know some people say it's disingenuous uh, of us to constantly, like, we pretend we like these movies too much. That's just not true, Look, right? The, can... the movies we do on this show, our stated objective on this show is to try to be optimistic about sure. movies we like. If we haven't covered it, 
there's a chance we might not like it that Look, much. Right? I can tell you pretty. <laughs> I can tell you pretty succinctly. We have watched movies on here that I have not enjoyed. But humanoids from the deep. You taking shots again? No. Pot over. <laughs> I, there's other movies that I've like not like thought were just the greatest movie I've ever seen. But again, the stated purpose of this of this podcast is not to watch movies we hate. We want to watch movies that we dig. And like, I honestly think Freddy versus Jason again is like one of the great convalescence of like like rights reverting back to certain studios, people buying certain properties and just all the culminations of things to create this movie because it is, it lives in this time period of like, you can make any fucking movie you want type of horror, uh, type of horror history. Like yeah. the early two thousands were like the fucking wild West for a lot of stuff. It's pretty cool. So well, this, this was the era where, we were starting to see a shift, I feel like, away from slashers to me. This is when yeah. the hot movie, because the year before The Ring had come out, right? And The Ring just fucking dominated. And then The Grudge came out. I know right. a lot of people don't like The Grudge, but it, it made a lot was, of money, right? Right. This was the the, the curse era, right? So, yeah. But 2003 is a funny year because you start to see this return of slasher, right? Because you've got House of a Thousand Corpses, Wrong Turn, mm -hmm. which is fantastically underrated, Um. High Tension makes it out in that year. Yep. Let's see. What else do we have? I mean, uh, honestly, like the this, Texas Chainsaw remake. So you see some good slasher would, work. Yeah. Between back. like 2002 and 2007, you're seeing like import imported horror from other countries. Right. Remakes of that reaping remakes of foreign films uh, for the American market. But like Freddy versus Jason is like straight up homegrown American slasher horror. Like. And this I forgot is, the best one, right? Leprechaun back to the hood. I mean, come on. <laughs> like, there you go. I mean, Classic. granted, it's hard to beat Snoop Dogg and the Leprechaun smoking a joint in a bathroom, but... Jimmy Bones and the Leprechaun. How can you hate that? Freddy versus Jason. Close second. Uh, okay, no, so honestly, history aside... This is like one of my favorites. Walk me through when you saw this movie. What are your thoughts? Do you think this was a worthy battle royale for uh, just two of the most iconic boogeymen? Uh, like when I originally saw it right now, talk right to now. me today. We just I'll saw it right for now. now. We've watched a lot of movies on this pod. We've only been doing this. What? <laughs> we've only been watching this. We've been doing this show for two years, right? Like ish. We've yeah. watched a lot of movies on this show. This is the first movie I've watched twice because Whoa! I enjoy it. Like <laughs> I saw it when I was much younger. Like we watched it a lot in college because it was just like one of yeah. those movies you could watch this movie particularly though. Uh, I I watched twice. Like I watched it a while ago, like just to kind of get a refresher, and then I watched it again last night because I was like, I knew we were gonna do the show, but I also was just like, I really enjoy this movie. Um, it it's just like, what about it? What about it? The movie itself is so ridiculous. Like, here's the thing. One, <laughs> there's a couple of things that this movie does that I think are like unintentional but hilarious. One, it uh. It, it retro it, it um retcons the entirety of both films and stating that the the world of Friday the Thirteenth and the world of Freddy uh, Krueger are in the same universe for one, which is awesome. Sure, that means that means that all the crazy shit that happens in the world happens. <laughs> all the crazy shit that happens in both these movies happens in one universe, which is awesome. Uh, I always assumed all of these horror. See, I like. I know they talk about universals like their monster verse or their dark verse. I like to think all of this happens in our world all the time, right? Sure. There's no alternate reality. Like, you can do the horror map, right? Yeah. Chicago in the south and, uh, you know, New Orleans and L.A. for Candyman. I mean, you can go around. Sure. 
and put all these guys in a place, right? What I what I think is funny about this one, right? I I just think it's really fun in this one because the basic conceit of here are the two killers that are most specifically geographically tied to something. Yeah. And I know it's weird because Freddie obviously in part two goes all the way to San Francisco for a one kill. The road trip movie that we desperately needed, right? The midnight run with Jason and his mom's head that we didn't ever get. And, uh, you know, he also goes to Manhattan, obviously. Yeah, Yeah. Manhattan slash Canada. Uh, So he's been around. Other than Michael Myers and Haddonfield, I feel like these are the two most geographically specific characters we have. Oh, 100%. So what I think is funny, and this is what I like about the opening. I love the opening because I was telling you today, I was watching The Bride with White Hair. Yeah, uh, the Ronnie Yu movie in preparation because his selection for this movie, I think, is what sends it down this delightfully weird path. Right, that this movie, had it been made at any other time by anyone else, wouldn't have been like this. Right, there's that extra influence that Ronnie Yu brings. Yeah, it just looks and feels so much different than every other movie in well, these series. I mean, it's it's not just that. Like they're also using all kinds of different camera work. Like I think that's yeah, probably but that's what I mean. If you go back and watch those you know, old Kung Fu movies and things like when I was watching Bride with the White Hair, I'm like, that feels like the Kung Fu movies of that era. Yeah. When you watch Freddy versus Jason, you're like, that does not feel like a slasher movie from those two series. I mean, it's like, it's that (laughs) it's this again. I I love, yeah. Ronnie, you is obviously a really important portion of like the Freddy versus Jason. What makes it great kind of thing. But I also think like the thing that I love the most about the movie is the stated, like, the opening is such a great like you're bringing it up and I I I love the opening of this movie because one yeah we get we get the Freddy Krueger greatest hits like uh this little rundown of like oh you know I was fucking just kicking dicks hanging out in yeah. Springwood and then all of a sudden <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm just nothing I you know I, whatever and like he's like literally like he, he I thought we were gonna get like I remember the first time I saw him like is he like in a like a a group. Is, are we gonna get like Freddy in therapy or <laughs> the something? Wreck, the Wreck It Ralph scene. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm a bad guy, and that's not bad. <laughs> that's not bad. No, like he literally. What, like, but what it I starts like off. <laughs> yeah, but it's cool, right? Because it it does. And again, Bride with the White Hair has this exact same start, right? This guy talking about the beginning of his training. Right. What I like, one of the things that I'm obsessed with in these sequels, and this is stated if you followed us through these twenty some movies, my question is always, what are you adding? Right. And I think they find some cool things to add. They extrapolate on the concept of Freddie is somehow trapped to Elm Street. Right. We never quite figured this out on the journey, but it's a fun thing to question is why is it always Elm Street? Because by the point this movie happens, there's no linkage to the crime that commits Freddie. Right. So, well, I mean, I like the idea too. well, right, but when they start with Freddy, I actually think the starting with just Robert England, I think this is a wildly important scene to the Freddy mythology to me because it's one of the first times we truly see Freddy in his Springwood slasher era, right? Right. And there's a scene that they put in where the little girl's cowering in the corner. He melts the doll, but the scene that always fucking gets me. And when I think of Freddy Krueger, this is always one of the first thoughts I have is the scene when he's licking her picture and yeah. puts it in the fucking book with all the other kids. It's a just a really quiet, small way to explode an enormous amount of fear in your brain, right? And I know totally. it's, we have kids, so maybe we're extra sensitive. 
But to me, I would say this would work on any. You see the the image that they lay out, right? The sequential images they lay out. When he puts that picture in there with all those other kids, you're doing all of this work of, oh, my God. Yeah. And that moment, to let Robert England shine and truly be have one of his most terrifying Freddy moments not in the makeup, that is added, again, in sequels. Show me something new. Another thing they do later in the movie for Freddy, this is the first time I believe we see a mangled child in the entire series. You see the ghost girl singing the song and this and that. When she, when uh, our main girl wakes up in the police station, she sees a child with her actual eyeballs cut out. That's the first so time we the, see a kid like that? This is the first time we see mangled remnant. Even the remake that went hard as shit didn't show us actual mangled children. Wow. So by seeing that little girl, right, in a, in a movie that's not supremely scary, right, it's a little bit more of an action movie a lot of times. That moment to me was wildly important for Freddy because, again, we talked about this a lot. Freddy hit this point in his series where he diverts into, like, the funny carnival barker, yeah, right? Yeah, well, there's a lot of, like, Bugs you Bunny see stuff the, going on. Exactly right. By, by Freddy's dead, it's over almost for him, right? You're like, this; I, it's unwatchable right. almost. When you see that little girl, though, it just recontextualizes all the way back like right. oh fuck i always forget i mean i think that he wasn't killing like annoying teenagers he was slaughtering children right and that that shot of those eyes right i mean it's it's fucking brutal i think what's really important too is that while i still think in freddy versus jason there is a lot of like madcap bugs bunny shit going on sure because sure. it is like look there's no way around it like this movie is also pretty funny uh when it comes right. to that kind of thing right i still feel the twinge of fear because I think that's Ronnie Yu putting his stamp on the Freddy on the Freddy and the Jason series. Like right. yeah, like this is the rare opportunity that this guy had, which was to make a movie about both these characters, about both these uh both these um histories in general. Like again, right. I thought it was actually very like I, I think it's a very clever premise that Freddy is stuck in hell because everyone has forgotten about him. Like and I th actually think that's a right. really interesting staple uh, it's an interesting stamp on and commentary on the series and how it went anyways because when you think about it that's really kind of like i mean we've watched all of these at this point and i think right. if you <laughs> if you really think about it that's exactly what happens and you just said it like once you get towards freddy's dead like all this shit just sort of becomes you know you're like <laughs> look at the funny guy with the weird face like that's sort of like right where it all comes from well what is cool too is Again, Ronnie Yu stated, right, in his actual interview for the movie, he's like, oh, I don't like either of these franchises. Like, I'm not a fan. Right. And I think that's important because what you see is he obviously went back and did his homework. Right. And so you get the new – this is a new set of eyes that's not – because the problem this movie could have run into a lot of other ways is it just turns into fanfic, right? Where all of a sudden it's now it's this, uh, you know, kind of like teenage boy wet dream of wouldn't this be cool? Wouldn't this be cool? And yeah, that, that might have been a great movie. What I think, though, when you take that step back, what he finds in this movie to me is really cool because he's focusing a little more in on the scariness of Freddy, right? So when Freddy goes full demon face or in the opening where it says fucking bloodshot eyes, we have this ethereal boogeyman who's actually really fucking scary looking, right? Right. But he's in this weird... He became unscary to us in the series because he was around too much, right? Every two years, we're seeing him do some more cartoony shit and this and that. Right. 
And in Freddy's Dead, they play with the idea he's stuck in a city that now has no children, right? He's reaped too much, right? which is fascinating. But what's even worse than overexposure is being totally forgotten. It's kind of this meta postcard oh, to the, the whole, whole horror thing series, is a, right? I mean, which is honestly, great. the entire movie is sort of this meta narrative on right. what, but it, what, he what does, these movies are. Right, and I think the really cool thing this movie does that I like, right? They obviously add a lot to Freddy's kind of mythos, which I dig. I really like what they did with Jason. Because with Jason, they kind of have this, he's just this really sad child caught in a game that he he doesn't really want to play, right? Right. Because, again, this is another first. I believe this is the first time we get an extended Jason being bullied scene. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right? And then imagine this. When our when our leading girl, right, our final girl goes to save Jason from the lake, she recoils in terror at the sight of his face. So you're just the constant indignities of this character and how sad it is that he's pushed in the lake to drown by his friends. Yeah. Uh, when Freddie, you know, starts diving into his psyche, using his mother against him. Here's a really cool thing they did in the opening that really stuck out to me. So, Freddy is the king of nightmares, right? And Jason is undead, but they say he's always kind of resting, right? So, he's always in a, a sleeping state. Right. Cool little way to get him in, right? Is Jason's nightmare a classic Friday the 13th scene? Because the scene where we meet Jason is a uh, beautiful, buxom, naked lady, skinny dipping, and Jason has to go hunt her down and kill her. Right. For Freddy to be in there taunting him... Does that mean that it is somewhat his nightmare to be carrying out his own mission? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, like later I, later when we dive into Jason's psyche, right? Oh, I want to see what's in your closet. Does he remember in almost a haunted fashion everyone he's had to kill? I think it's a fun extra wrinkle. One, and when they mix it with the sad baby eye, yeah. it changes Jason a little bit. In this, I mean, one. it's 1000% that I've always felt that way about Jason. I mean, I don't know about you, but like it's always felt this. Especially, especially once they started recontextualizing it with the, uh, like, I mean, honestly, it just starts with, uh, it just starts with, um, Jesus, it starts with Friday the 13th part two. Like once you recontextualize, once you, sorry, not even recontextualize, once you contextualize Jason with the fact that his, like the haunting voice of his mother telling him what to do in the background all the time, like he is the most unwilling participant in probably the greatest slaughter in cinematic history <laughs> like this poor fucking yeah. guy r.i.p space station full of thousands of people and jason x seriously like he we honestly, don't even count that in his body count i i mean he's honestly like <laughs> he's so unwilling to do things and like constantly being battered like constantly being told uh right do this from uh his mother like from this like not even like from his mother but from this like this ghostly apparition of obedience and like truly like the only person who's ever really been loving and loyal to him, you know? Right. Like it's really well, kind of tragic. Really and sad. good job. Yeah. They do a great job with it. Cause again, I think once we start getting more into, you know, part six and on a Friday, once we get closer to the Kane hotter era, he becomes much more kind of heavy metal Jason, right? Where now he's kind of a supernatural killing machine. And they got away a little bit of this kind of this tragic figure who dies and then through his mother's death is brought back to constantly relive his trauma. Right. Uh, They get away from that. So I think this one and then Friday remake kind of toyed with this idea, too, that 
Jason is not some supernatural being, but just a kid who was left on his own to survive in the woods and, you know, practice archery all day and become a weed farmer, which was really cool. But this one really hones in on the, and I I love the scene too. It's, It's a better version of Jason takes Manhattan when they're in his nightmare world and Jason reduced to fear, right? Uh, becomes the little child hiding behind the mask again. And I think that image of that little boy shivering in the mask is kind of the twofold, right? The mask is the front, right? This is the mission and how we see him. But beneath there is just this sad, permanently stuck child figure. Yeah. And to pair that with Freddy, who preys on children, is really fucking fantastic, man. I And again, it's it gets into the worst line in cinema history, right? Freddy died by fire, Jason by water. How can we use that? Just one of the worst lines in movie history delivered to absolute failure. Oh, yeah. Right? And then Jason, to be afraid of water, you're like, every single movie he's tromping around in rain or (laughs) hiding in the lake. Like, come on. But it does lead us to a cool image. And I think that's kind of a microcosm of this movie. There's a lot of, get the fuck out of here. But it's awesome so you don't care. That's that's a very important thing about this movie. The entire (laughs) movie is a get the fuck out of here. But. If you can kind of just submit to it and say, all right, this is just how it's going to be, you really can, like, lock in and enjoy a lot of things that happen. Because, look, honestly, like, the the initial concept of, like, oh, yeah, everyone forgot. For, like, basically, that means if you forget about Freddy Krueger, he goes away. Like, the idea that's is cool that this guy idea. haunts your dreams. It shouldn't matter if you remember cool idea, or don't though. remember him. But – it's built in. He is a dream demon, right? But it is right. built in that his fear gives us gives him his power, right? right? So if you don't know him, you can't fear him, right? Fear of the unknown is right. an abstract. But they, wouldn't fill his coffers, right? But that. But none of the people in the first uh, Nightmare on Elm Street knew who Freddy was. They only had. They only had. They had to go research it. They didn't know who it was that was tormenting him. In that's the, in true. The, in their, well, like, this is part of the evolution that's what of I'm the saying. series, right? Yeah. Like maybe it, what happens in that one is that they can tell their parents know who he is and they're haunted, right? right? Alcoholics and whatnot. Well, that maybe that's kind of. But so do all the cops and the cops are just like, oh, no, we erased him from the history well, books, which, the by the way, girl, apparently in a apparently in a small town, super <laughs> easy to do. I live in small town, Midwestern America. Uh, if there was a child murderer, that would be all we ever talked about that is the only thing to talk about there's no way that everyone in town just like got together in like the barn (laughs) hanging out and they're like all right we all agree this is a real thing that happened in my neighborhood we had a uh perhaps mentally challenged boy i don't know or if that was just like the cover and he was just a little asshole teenager right but perhaps mentally challenged boy went on a spree where for weeks he was keying people's cars in driveways not cool. My mother-in-law got hit. You would have thought it was like an investigation discovery show. That was hot <laughs> news around here, right? Like all these dads, like we should survey and get more cameras. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, guys! It's good a, lord. It's a car. It's a car. But imagine if that became child murdering. Like, oh yeah, you know what's her name? That uh, that Nancy Grace lady would be here, just fucking spewing. 100%. Can I talk to your manager? Haircut takes like it would be nonstop madness. Look, I have but worked. Th- the uh, thing they do in the movie too, which is crazy. Is they say they've only been doing this for four years. Yeah, I'm like, I thought this movie was like 15 years down the road. That's what I it's thought. Four years and since Freddy's last murder. Because I I, do, I didn't remember the amount. <laughs> I didn't remember the amount of time, and I was like, holy shit! But then like, yeah, and then you get to the psychic uh, psychiatric hospital where where uh, Will and Mark are staying, and like the right. only reason that they're being kept on the hypnosil drug is because they're the ones who remember Freddy. I'm like, 
Guys. They're the only two, by the way. Yeah, they're the only two the people town, in the entirety the of the town. <laughs> I love uh, Mark and Will. Oh, me too. Not as much Will. Mark is fantastic in this movie. Oh, yeah, Mark's great. I Mark actually, is really good. My favorite uh, character by far is um, uh, Deputy Stubbs. 100%. Oh, fucking Stubby, dude. Stubby, we'll get to Stubbs. You want to know something I noticed Stubby right away so as we great. start breaking down characters? If you look through the movie... They do an amazing job of separating out their people who are killed by Jason or Friday characters and the people that are more fighting Freddy are nightmare characters. Oh, totally. They do a really good job of like the girl in the baseball hat, right? Just classic two dimensional, nothing happening. Yeah. She's a Jason character. Uh, as I call him Sporty Bob instead of Silent Bob, right? The big fat Chuck, I think his name is. Yeah. That guy is a classic Friday the 13th character. It's just, it's really funny how they separate them out. Who's going to be more, like, Linderman is obviously a little more uh, of a Freddy character. He's killed by Jason. He kind of breaks the rule a little bit. But, yeah, I thought that was a really cool way they did. Like, the classic Friday character, right, are uh, Blake and the boyfriend at the start of the movie. (laughs) The boyfriend at the start of the movie is an all-time great Friday the 13th character. I mean, he's such a piece of shit, and I love him for it, right? It's perfect. Bib! You know not to kiss me when you smoke, Bip. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> like, that, the best. You know I don't like to be touched after. The, I just, that guy was great. <laughs> the early the early 2000s, like, boyfriend-girlfriend slang. And not only that, just, like, the little affectations that we realize have not lasted. Like, rave in the cornfield. I mean, that right. feels tried and true early 2000s stuff. Like, I swear to God, there's, like, 20,000 movies that came out within the seven years between 20, 2000 and 2007 where there was just like a rave somewhere like it was yeah. always like the thing they're like what do we do about uh what do we do about this like how do we get all these what people was that, in that uh, place? rave what was that album you could get on uh i remember you had to like call a hotline to get it but it had like india and the x-files guy. oh fuck what was that thing like called? Pure, 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 mood. Mood. pure moods yeah i remember when that came out i was like is this the hot fire? Like, would this take my party to the next level? <laughs> it was right before downloading it hit, right? Because right. Napster had hit, but people got in trouble, so I wasn't in yet. Before LimeWire, and I was like, do I need to call and get pure moods to make this fucking party cracking? I remember seeing the, <laughs> I remember seeing the ad, and then I'm like, well, at least the X-Files theme's on there, I guess. And yeah. then, like, it was, sail away, sail away, sail away. Sail away. Like, Does that work? <laughs> I love that. But when it got the... Oh, it's so good. I actually almost bought that because I was like, this is going to take the uh, the fuzz bumping up to the next level. I'm <laughs> ready for this. This is just like... I mean, it's, <laughs> again, you could just play Sandstorm 30 times and probably get laid still. You know, I think that's really a different era. We might be making ourselves not as cool as the Chucks of the world. <laughs> uh, what I do like, too, is that scene in the cornfield is so funny because as a Hoosier myself... Uh, partying in cornfields definitely happened. Never yes. that cool. I remember one time we parked my buddy's minivan in like, uh, you know, a clearing in the middle of a cornfield where like no one will see us drink. And a fucking deer came out of the fucking corn and ambushed us. And we're all just like, ah! And I was like, that's a deer, right? That's, that's a baby deer. Like, imagine if that was flaming Jason. That's some sweet Midwestern work there. It was fucking scary because I was like, do I have to beat the shit out of a deer? And then you go, can I beat the shit out of a deer? I have a question for you. As far as final girls go, go, how do you feel about Lori as a final girl? Do you think, does she rank up there properly? Or is she just like... No, she's not a top five. I think she's good. Yeah. She's solid. 
One more thing on the cornfield, though. Did you or did you not feel like Jason was just going back and killing a ghost of your fashion sins past? <laughs> when he killed the guy in the bucket hat, I was like, oh, shit, dude. I definitely wore that. There were a lot of guys dressed like young Josh Griffey just getting stopped. Yeah, I think when he started going on the what I would call the Jinko rampage, I was pretty on board. <laughs> like, I was... I was... He's I just was like... Up. A hot topic. He's like Spawn, right? A hot topic has spewed forth its minions, and I must fight for hell. Uh, let's see. Lori is a final girl. Um, no, I would not rank her exceptionally high, right? So, right. for me, you got to go Nancy from Friday's way. Friday has three great ones right in a row. Nancy and uh, Alice is the dream master. The dream warrior is Kristen, right? Right. Those three are all better than her. Sure. In Friday, I, I like Friday 2. Is that Alice also? That's Alice. Yeah. I like Friday 2, Alice. Um, you know, maybe right under there. So she's just out of the top five. Okay. I don't. I like the sheriff's daughter a lot in Jason Lives. She's kind of fucking wild and out there. Right. I don't understand any of her motives at all. She's just like, I want to fuck this guy who might be a serial killer just to stick it to my dad and Deputy Dingus. <laughs> but I was like, I like your energy. You got crazy energy. I, um, um, I don't know. It's, 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 yeah. It's, I think it's she doesn't. She has the unfortunate part because one of the biggest problem with this movie, if there is one, is that they do the scene about 15 to 20 times where someone has to explain to us the very basic plot that Freddie explains to us in the opening monologue. Yeah. Which is what if Freddie has no power and he has to use Jason to hunt him and now he can't stop us. Yeah. That scene happens probably 15 times. Like. It's, Guys, it's a horror movie. We get it. We've been doing yeah. this for 20 years. Not well, hard. Basically, right? <laughs> well, like the thing that's aggravating about it is they feel the need to explain that to every character as soon as they enter a scene. Right. Like, well, like when Stubbs shows up, you're like, wait, a cop just decides he's going to go hunt down the Scooby van and join the squad. Yeah. But I, when that's happening, that takes away crucial moments for her to make a decision and kind of. Take that next step as a final girl, right? Right. In this movie, until about the last 20 minutes, it's like I don't know she, that she makes a decision the whole movie. She, the only decision she no, makes. No, when she confronts like, her father, that's the first decision. The courageous she thing she father. decides to do. Yeah, like she, well, that's like kids running away shit. I, I can't count that because that's just Running like, away from, did you murder my ma? Right. That's a big one. <laughs> but. That's not a, no, fuck you, I can't watch The Simpsons. <laughs> But the thing that I think, I mean, to me, her first, like, final girl decision is to go into the dream. Like, when she says, put me under and I'll bring him back, like, that's, like, right. that's some final girl shit. That's how. That's final girl shit. That's where I'm saying, like, she's, like, getting up there. She's definitely not top five for me, but she's definitely just outside. Six or seven, I'd say. But it's like. A good it's a good performance, but I don't think they gave her enough to do, right? No. Well, other than having to explain to everybody, like, between her and Jason Ritter, I, yeah, like... Will wait. could just be... At, Will is only there to give us one of the greatest uh, unanswered questions in movie history to me. They just bring Will in to do this insane, did he murder his wife questions about Lori's dad? Yeah. And we just never fucking address it, right? Later at the lake, she goes, Freddie killed my mom. And I go, wait, did he? Let's look at the evidence for her dad, right? So one, the dad knows that Freddy Krueger is real and kills people, right? right? Maybe even killed his wife, maybe. He works at an insane asylum 
where he has actually made catatonic hypnosil zombies. Right. He signed the order, right? So this is a man who knows exactly who and what Freddy is, knows he lives in uh, Nancy's house, also known as Freddy's house throughout the series, right? right? So the day after a child is murdered in bed where the cops think it's Freddy and he probably knows what's happening, his first idea is to fucking put sleeping pills in his daughter's orange juice and not tell her? It's, uh... Why would he want her to go to sleep? It's poorly constructed. <laughs> I did read online that someone was like, oh, that's hypnosil uh, that he put in the pill. No, I thought... But I thought the pills looked different, but that if it was hypnosil, that's that's a better, but still not great. Yeah. Why would you send your child to sleep? I, I don't, like... It's so strange. Like, Here's again, another question. So the dad sees and or hears his wife getting slaughtered in bed, which we see later, right? She's covered in scratches. Classic Freddy move. He runs down and gets a knife and hovers over her with a knife? To do what? To an unseen force? Well, here's my A man of medicine? Okay, well, here's my thing. Okay, within the dream, obviously, you see, like, her dad pull away and you see Freddy there, you know? I... I think that because like they do this after and smartly too, they do this after the whole thing with Freeberg because uh, obviously we've seen Freddy take over bodies before and do so on and so forth. The Freeberg possession is one of my all time faves because he basically just chokes on a Freddy chode and then he becomes Freddy. Um, <laughs> but so they do this and then they show this like they show this um, sort of dream flashback type thing. So I think it's more just possession where his dad actually did kill his mom her dad did kill her mom but he did it as freddie doing it or this felt like him showing her a hard truth because he knows how much it'll fucking rattle her i think that's i mean look not to say i that, think he fucking killed his wife not to say i that, think that, not to say and that then he fucking sends a kid up the stream to an asylum look not to say freddie versus jason isn't the lighthouse level of uh metaphor <laughs> But <laughs> you know, I like to question narrative truth, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but what I think it actually happened is Freddie probably possessed her dad personally. But this is another piece of evidence, right? In the entire series, we only see, I believe, one other adult killed by Freddie in a dream state. And that's the alcoholic mom in part one. Right. And that's only after Freddie has been pulled into the real world, lit on fire and then runs up and jumps on the mom in the real world. Yeah. We've never seen him technically kill someone in a dream that is an adult. Right? And he does the classic, I have a thing for the whores in this house. Right? Which is a classic Freddy line. But why not her? There's a teenage daughter right there. And they hadn't begun the quarantine yet. That dad fucking murdered the mom! And Freddy's jealous of his uh, competitor's handiwork. That's my theory. Ooh, okay. I'll, I'll buy that based on that tag alone. Yeah, Freddy, that's Freddy's wet dream. He's like, damn, nice technique. Good technique. Slaughtering up your wife. That doctor is all kinds of fucking shady. I think he's a mom murderer. All right. I mean, I'll give you that. I think he, I think he kills his wife in that. I think we just kind of brush over. We're like, oh, of course Freddy did it. That doesn't fit Freddy's MO to me. Okay. So you there think- are two two whores in the house that Freddie could target. Right. Why not go for the teenage girl? That's his M.O. Interesting. 
Okay, I, I'll that's buy the. I'll buy the. Th- not that they're whores. That's Freddie's words, not mine. Don't True. come at me. Well, actually, Freddie's word is bitch, which he says like fifteen thousand <laughs> times in the script. My God. <laughs> yeah, he's the Jesse Pinkman of horror killers. Like, I don't know. Like, you, I know you don't watch uh, Rick and Morty, but they do a pastiche on um, Freddie Krueger called Scary Terry. In the in all <laughs> every single thing he says, he punctuates it with bitch. And I'm pretty sure it's yeah. simply because of Freddy versus Jason. Because yeah, I'll be honest, maybe. no other Friday the 13th has he said the word bitch more. He constantly calls people bitch in this movie. He he always drops a classic bitch somewhere, but I don't know that he says it all the time. I did feel bad for, uh, what's his name, Friedelberg, you said? Freeberg. Did you feel bad for that guy that he never actually got to do a character? They're just like, can you do the worst uh, Jason Muse impression? And then later, can you just mouth words that we'll have Robert England do later? <laughs> that's to be the least fun acting job of all time. I didn't feel bad for him mainly because I'm like, you you know, you chose to be that guy. Like, again, like if someone offered you a role like, hey, like we will pay you a scale if you want to come in and just like, I don't know. I'm saying, do you think that guy's like was doing like Shakespeare in the park? And he's like, God damn it. Do you know that's Tyler? So, so you know that's uh, Tyler Labine's brother, little brother. I don't even know who Tyler Labine is. Tyler, you know I'm terrible with names. I know Tyler what Labine is, is in a, is one of the stars of Tucker versus Dale. Tucker Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Um, really? Yeah. It's a uh, Tyler Labine's the other guy that's not Alan Tudyk. Gotcha. Yeah, I love that dude. Um, yeah. yeah. See, I'm terrible. That's with his names. little brother. That's do his names. little brother. I didn't know it was little brother. I just knew he looked familiar. And I looked it up. Yeah, that's his little brother. <laughs> All right. Great kills in this movie. What's your favorite kill? My favorite kill. I mean, favorite kill. Are we allowed to count one of the two stars? Yeah, for sure. Well, let's let's save the battle for the end. We'll okay. get to the battle. Cool. Um, so my, we have some really good kills at the start of this. Movie. I think my favorite really kill good. in the movie is probably um, who's the, what's the guy's name? Will's a uh, friend. Um, oh, dude. OK, so you're you're with me on this. Mark. This, this was Mark, hard. That's right? Mark. That's who it is. What I have to say again, what the movie lacks in some departments, it does really good in the stuff that matters, right? Yeah. So this movie has phenomenal kills. So Mark has my favorite scene in the movie. That is such a good Freddy scene, right? When his brother pops up from the bathtub with the bleeding wounds, I, I love, it is so fucking good. I don't good. know about you. There's also an added level of stress in that scene because that's Scott Farkas. And right. If you're you a know, ki- it's funny. I've actually had drinks with Scott Farkas in real life. Have you really? Yes, and that is a man who is very proud of himself. I'll just say it that way. <laughs> a lot of uh, talking. You were there, actually. You don't remember uh, this? Yeah, we were at a bar in North Hollywood with Tom Downey, right? Our friend who's an actor, Tom Downey. Was it- and we met him, and he introduced us as, hey, these are my two friends. They're really good young writers. And he started doing the, well, if you want to be famous in the business like me, and started his whole fucking spiel about how he had just made a movie. Holy shit, that was him? That was him. We had drinks with that guy. We oh were introduced my. as hot young writers. <laughs> and now we're neither young or hot. And we barely write, so yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. We have our own nightmare with Scott Fark. <laughs> I absolutely love that. That uh that whole scene, like from the moment he falls asleep on is so great. Like Yeah. I, I always love the force perspective in Freddy movies. Like in the dream world, you can always tell either by lighting or by uh the size of things, which I think is yeah. really interesting. And so like, as soon as he opens the bathroom, like that bathroom's way too big. Like <laughs> this it, feels like a set piece bathroom. What's happening? <laughs> like, 
But I do love that. Like it, it is like there are like little. Um, obviously, they keep you know the for uh, Jason. But by like, the way, while we're on that, real fast, the very first thing you hear is the do 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 do, like the Freddy. They spliced the two themes. It was pretty good. But I love like there's a lot of Freddy visual pastiches that have to come through that I really really enjoyed about Dude. all the um, Nightmare on Elm Street movies. How about the face slash? How about the face slash at the end of that when he's just like, "Help me!" So cool, dude. And then the Freddy's so back cool. burned onto his back. That was my it's favorite like part. Freddy is back, like it's in the time, and also <laughs> on his back. Property of Freddy. Property of Freddy. This is my back. Well done. Double. That is just subtext, right? <laughs> that is. Just I love. I subtext. love that kill. It's hard because I also like a lot of the Jason kills are a bit derivative, but they're so well done, right? I love the bed. The oh, bed the- is just. Amazing. I mean, the bed's my favorite. Jason killed the bending movie. and back is fucking great. I like when Blake and his dad get it because there's just blood everywhere, right? Yeah. It's very Kill Bill. And when we see, we don't even see Blake chopped. We just see the blood thrown on the window. So those are in the running. I liked seeing uh date rapist Billy Idol get it. That's pretty good. That right? was just a creepy. Also, I'm like, if you're ever at a rave and you see a guy with that many glow sticks on him. Stop drinking. Yeah. Leave that rave. That guy's there for no good. My fa- can I actually can I point out my favorite almost kill that gets stopped by probably one of my all time favorite like what the hell is and I'm sorry, I'm skipping ahead, but I have to do this. Uh when Freddie and Jason are fighting and Freddie tries to throw the cement truck down on him and it gets stopped because it's oh it's jammed up. Jammed it's a Pinata Freddie. It yeah, well, it's like no! he, he's trying to push that thing down and it gets like stuck. It just gets stuck. Yeah. He goes, oh, come on. I'm like, really? <laughs> this is the end I of the- love that. The futility of Freddy in that entire scene is really good. It's but so again, great. We'll get to that. I have to say, though, we'll my actual, part. I think, favorite kill, and there's so many in this movie. It is hard. I like, because the chopping in half right after the train, it's, it's so many good ones. I love uh, Kelly Rowland's death, right? The, I'm going to do an open <laughs> I mic. I knew you were going to say it. Right, so I'm going to do an open mic comedy uh, assault yeah. on Freddie. Right, not very PC by today's standards, but still funny. Right, she's I mean, talking about his little tiny phallic symbols. I would and when say, Jason hits her, what I like, there's not actually any chopping. She just fucking flies fifty feet into a tree and just dead. <laughs> I, I fucking, I just love the the brutality. I of would when actually that say hits the tree. that scene would be cut immediately from any uh any like. If it was made now, that scene would be cut immediately, or at least the dialogue that Freddie utters before it starts, which is "How sweet dark meat." Which yeah, I'm, well, which then I'm like, she uh, she questions his sexuality. True. There's a lot going on in that moment, as she right? should. But I'm like, oh, like I forgot that I'm like. Actually, it was funny is <laughs> I had forgotten what the line was, but I knew it was coming. Was when he turns around, I'm like he's gonna say something a little racist. I know it. Like I just, <laughs> I mean. I got a feeling. Are we really thinking that Freddie wouldn't be a little racist? Just a little. Of course he would be a little a racist. A white Midwestern guy who was like in his prime in the 50s. Like, of course. Probably a bit racist. Look, 100% <laughs> he's going to be a little bit racist. But it also is just yeah. like, it was funny because I had forgotten what the line was, but I knew it was coming. And as soon as he turned around, I was like, what's the racist thing he says? What is it? <laughs> like, and then he said, I'm like, ah, You're, that's what it was. Yeah. Like, Freddie cool. becomes like the uncle at Thanksgiving. We are like. Uh, I mean, that line's not as racist as his normal lines. Yeah. I mean, he's, well, he's like, like the, he's the family member. He's the family member who doesn't know the terminology. <laughs> like, he, like only knows it from like the the seventies. So he's right. like, you know, 
still saying like <laughs> I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it on air. Anyways, it's all right. Kelly Rowland's death, great. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the actual battle between Freddie and Jason. Yeah. Where did you come down? As you know, this movie does have two things I'm not a fan of at all, which is Freddie doing hand-to-hand combat and Freddie being pulled into the real world. Two of my absolute least favorite elements from the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Yeah. Did they at least do it well in this movie? I don't know. Did they at least do it well in this movie? I mean, I'll be honest. Like, once we got to that part, I was like, well, this is going to take 20 minutes. Like, that's like... I I know that I, yeah. like this is like the showdown everyone's waiting for in the movie, but I gotta be honest. Like at one point, I was like, "This is so boring." Like, who cares? Like, and again, that yeah. was where like I I laugh really loudly when like Freddie tries to throw literally a cement cart down a gangway and it gets like, you know, winched. And I was like, I like that, okay. and I like Pinata Freddie because it shows it shows the difference, right? He's not the dream killer anymore. He's just some fucking dude. He's just some fucking guy. I mean, like he's just some fucking guy, you know, right? when it's trying to kill this, you I mean, know, when this it starts, you get to see I some have, cool right? stuff, but yeah, like when it starts and they're fighting in the dream and he gets his arms cut off and he brings him back. I was like, yeah, interesting. Right. But the middle part, when he does like Jason pinball. Yeah. I was like, that's bad. Well, that's just really bad. And also it's not fun. And secondly, Jason is undying, and this is Jason's mental projection. So you're trying to beat his mental mind by pinballing him. I mean, like it's- that's the best you can do is throw him around. It's it's the classic. A lot of Freddy movies divert away from the wild dream stuff into Freddy's just going to like physically attack people. I mean, which I get. His mo as a slasher is you know the physical. There's a physicality, as Ed Kemper would say in you know Mindhunter about. The physical gratification of this, sure. but with Jason, I don't know that I, that part really bothered. Me. Honestly, the ending is just so like we're just like, what is going on? Like I, I really, I just was like, how long does it take to dismantle each other? Like you guys are like, one right. guy has a claw hand, it's, the other guy has a fucking machete. How hard is this? It's very gratuitous, right? By the time they get to the dock, you're like, now we're doing it. Where it's just shut, blood everywhere. Yeah. Blood. It's just buckets. Uh, but of ki- it bothered me syrup. because I was like, the thought that Freddie could even stand with Jason for ten seconds. Yeah. Not great to me, but I think they get some pretty good moments, right? Some good shots I like, in there. I, liked- I like Freddie uh, poking the eyes out. That was great. That was good. I like Freddie's hand bursting through his chest in the machete. I like. Wa- you know, I like watching yeah. Jason pull off uh, Freddie's arm. Like that's cool. Like that's kind of stuff yeah. that I like. Like. That's all well and good. And then, like, and of course, it has to end with her, like, burning the dock down. You're like, all right, whatever. Like, yeah, and she chops his head off, right? She gets a really good final girl moment. She gets a really nice, like, she gets a good, the good line, you know, hey, Freddie, go to hell. Like, those are fun. What I like is that is a throwback to Friday one through the eyes of Freddie, which is cool. There's a lot of that kind of crossing the two uh, franchises there, which I dig, man. So that, that part was. It was fine. I mean, that's the problem is that there's kind of a an inevitable moment when they have to fight. I just think there's not a super interesting way to do that outside of the dream world. No, I agree. I mean, like once you're in Camp Crystal Lake, it's kind of you're just kind of like, well, this is inevitable. Like and also it's one of those things where both of them have to die. So you have that like big yeah. moment. But at the end of the time, but at the end of the story, you're just sort of like, I, I mean, 
you know, it's the way you expected it to end. And then it <laughs> ends in that really fun way. And you get like that great 2000 wink face. You know, that's the kind of stuff that that's the kind of stuff that keeps things entertaining and keeps things uh, oddly light for a movie like this. Yeah. Yeah. Again, no, I mean, it's just it's it's all good fun. It's that's, fun. That's what's, like that's all at it the is. End of the day, it's all really good fun. Totally. Man. And. I think that's that's where I come down. Like I like the idea of them transporting Jason's van in a body or body in a van, right? <laughs> and when Kelly Rowland's trying to give him mouth to mouth, like that's just a great scene. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious. just really funny and clever, right? Like there's a lot of stuff that's not great. I don't like, uh, you know, Stubbs just trying hard. There's like, why is he there? Why is he driving down the road at that moment? You're like, all right, take right. all that shit aside. I'm like, and this is this is what we get back to, right? We we talk about on our other podcast the long box sessions. For every character, right? Because we're in an era now when a lot of things are shifting with different characters and stories and comic books. So to appease these fucking, you know, basement-dwelling, angry hate mobs, you sit there and you say, well, guys, what is really a sacred cow to you? That's the phrase we use. What's the sacred cow? It's like a Batman. Right. What re- Like, does Batman really need to be white or does he just need to be rich and be an orphan? Like, right. what is really, truly important at the very core, right? Take away all the peripherals that you... Just assume is what he is. What's really important. And with me, for Freddie and Jason, they gave me all the sacred cows that are really important. And they did it in a really fun way that paid homage and tribute to both. And my sacred cow of a sequel, they added a little bit of new room to the mythology. I mean, So, you know, yeah. is it a flawless movie? No, fuck no. Absolutely not. But, it's but is still... it a really fun, good movie? Yeah. It's fun. Uh, I do have a couple. I actually had a couple of fun uh, trivia things I read on IMDb, and one of them particularly <laughs> I wanted you to know. Uh, Robert, uh, so uh, the the girl who plays Gib, the girl with the hat, uh, her name is right. Ka- Catherine Isabel. Apparently, Robert England was very excited to uh, see her casting because he was a big fan of her film Ginger Snaps, which was a movie we watched yeah! on this show. Uh, I love Ginger Snaps. Ginger Snaps is a great movie. I did not know that, which is cool, but Rob, that means Robert England watches some great shit. Uh, Catherine Isabel also was super pissed. Apparently, it's the only thing, only big fight that occurred on set was between her and Ronnie Yu. Uh, she was promised she didn't have to do nudes, and then he went back on his promise and said, yeah, you got to get naked. Uh, Apparently, by the way, that was a thing that happened a lot on this set. There was a lot of more nudity. More makes nudity. sense. <laughs> well, like... Remember the, uh, I mean, remember when they're in Jason's, when they're in, when he's in Jason's dream and he goes to, uh, like drag her body into the water. Like, I remember there's like a flash of a titty while she's like floating up. And I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, got it. Yeah. You're like, there are some moments where a titty doesn't add sexual value. Right. That's one of them. Robert. I don't need, I don't need dead lady titties. Right. (laughs) Robert England's final appearance on screen as uh, Freddy Krueger, by the way. Cinematically, at least. For now, until he passes the claws to Kevin Bacon. Ooh. I don't know. Jackie Earl Haley was so good, but I get it. He said he's got one more Freddy, and then he thinks Kevin Bacon should take over. Wow. Which, as you know, since I just pitched you a movie theme month. uh, True. Shaken Bacon. Shaken with Bacon. Absolutely. I'm all in on a Kevin Bacon, Freddy Krueger. I also think Matt Smith would be good, but I think he's good for every role, so that's not fair. True. Uh, <laughs> all right. So definitive. Oh, wait. You got more. Sorry. Go for I it. I only had one more, which was that originally. And it's interesting that we talked about how Will was kind of this. Uh, Will was a little bit of a, you know, letdown as far as characters go. 
uh, the he's re- a bit of an Ellen Page in Inception. Fascinatingly enough, though, the reason uh, he he was cast at the very last minute, like the week before shooting began, because originally Brad Renfro was supposed to be uh, Will. Really? Smith. Yeah. Interesting. He they 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 did not know why he had to bail, but I'm assuming it has something to do with the many problems that poor actor had. But nevertheless, bummer. In any sense, <laughs> final. Uh, I mean, final resolution is pretty cool, man. Yeah, it's just, but this is what I mean, right? You get that. It's just a chance where how many times do we get to see the kind of things that we talk about as fans come true, right? Right. So when Freddie cuts off Jason's fingers and grabs the machete, right? That to me is what, you know, Cap grabbing Molmir is to Marvel fans. Totally. That to me was just that moment of, <gasps> like, I was all in, right? Like, we never get to see, and the fact that this crossover happened and that it's so fun and it's so big and weird and it's kind of got this international flavor to it which is you know just out of nowhere and it it pays homage and it adds value to the characters i mean is it the greatest movie of all time on just an objective level no No. but is it a really fucking fun way to watch two of our fucking favorite characters battle it out man i mean this is it's a fucking childhood wish fulfillment to me it's just fucking fun and that's the thing right i've always felt this i read you know this is kind of like a lot of horror fans right right you can do anything wrong in a horror movie except for be boring. Yeah. There's nothing worse than a horror movie that takes itself really seriously because it thinks it's like a next level artistic horror movie and it's boring. If you're totally. boring, you're the worst. And this movie is never boring. I mean, this movie brings this movie makes everything about both series, takes them all and makes them all just that much more entertaining. Like. Look, it is not this big, uh, you know, think piece on the nature of fear or anything like that. But it's definitely, <laughs> but it's a movie worth watching because it's enjoyable. Like if you like these kinds of it's movies and if you fun. enjoyed both series, there's no reason not to watch it. Yeah, I was doing my definitive rankings of both series right for Twitter at Film Alchemist One, by the way. And I think for Nightmare, this one ranks for me probably like third or fourth best Nightmare. Friday probably three three or four to me a nightmare as well or friday as well makes sense it's just a really a really good the fact that they got both characters in there and did them both such justice i mean again like you said i've watched it more than once because i was just like yeah i really like this movie i enjoy it i mean it's not like i needed to take more notes on the intricacies and depth of the story. <laughs> no but it's just a really fucking fun time man i always enjoy my time watching my two buddies fight it out it's I fun. always do. It was great. That's it, guys, for Freddy versus Jason. We did That's it. That's it for October. That's it for A Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th until Kevin Bacon takes over. Shaking Bacon. Uh, I will say this. The fact that we're not still getting these movies is such a fucking bummer, man. We need these movies back, and I hope that happens. Uh, but, yeah, guys, thank you. I know this has been a lot of pods. I know sometimes you turn on your podcast app, and you're like, God damn it, more? We understand, but, man, we're so excited about it. We wanted to do something special this month. Thank you guys for following along and letting that happen. Uh, I, you can find us on YouTube, Film or Nerd Alchemist. Nerd Alchemist, that's plural with an S at the end. Yep. On YouTube, please leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast app. That helps us enormously. And, guys, keep retweeting and sharing all the stuff you're doing for us. It is helping. We do see it. I want to thank everyone who helped us out this month watching these movies with us because honestly, like, wow. You guys are rock stars. Thank you so much for guesting on the yeah. show. 
It was a fun Sam time. Price, Jamin Mink, Michael Cloud. Thank you guys for helping us get through 20-some movies in one month. You guys are just chairman emeritus of awesome. Uh, That's right. And we'll be back next month, right? Uh, right. The pod breaks bread. So this is movies that feature dinner parties. Good, bad, in between. Is there such a thing as a good dinner party? I don't fucking think so, and I'll prove it with movie evidence. Yeah, I'm going to tell you right Uh, now. Based on the movies we picked, no. The answer is no. Maybe jaded in our evidence. But yeah, up first, The Invitation. If you haven't seen that fucking movie, you owe it to yourself to watch it. It's on Netflix. Un-fucking-believably good movie, and that's where we'll be uh, meeting you next week. No Red Lanterns, though, I promise. For the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. Bye, bitch. <laughs>